We welcome all of our new online listeners. Hi, my name is Dr. Stephen Finney, the hosting pastor of XL Church in IOM America. My wife Jane and I are blessed that you decided to join us. XL represents Exchange Life. Our church is an outreach of IOM America. We believe all online services should be birthed from the Lord's localized ministries. We want you to know you have our permission to download and or forward this media to a hurting world. We live in troubling times. As global crises come and go, we need to be reminded that the Lord Jesus Christ is attempting to gain our attention, and we need to listen. Our media outreach, I Am Media Productions, demonstrates compassion in action. Everything we do sits upon the pedestal of compassion. So let's get started. Enjoy the worship, illustrative videos, prayer, and weekly message.
O God and Savior Jesus Christ, we have heard with our ears, our blessed Christian forefathers have told us, all of the work that you have done throughout all of your days and using us to present the gospel to our hurting world. You, with your own hand, drove out the nations. Then you planted them. You afflicted the people. Then you spread them abroad. For by their own sword they did not possess the land, and their own arm did not save them. But your right hand and your arm and the light of your presence is what accomplished this great and mighty work. You are our King, O God. Jesus, you are our beloved husband, and you command victory, and victory is delivered. Dear Jesus, any time that we face our adversaries, through you, we will push back their offenses. Through your name, we will trample down those who rise up against us. For we, as a body of Christ, will trust in you and you alone, in your bow, in your arrow, with your sword. But you have saved us from most of our adversaries and the ones you have allowed to cross that border and enter into our private spaces as believers. You have a sovereign reason for that. And we want to thank you even for those kinds of persecutions and distresses. You give us all of what we need to live. You give us food from the ground. You give us food from the beasts. And you have given us hands and minds that are skilled to care for the full body of Christ. May the loyalty of our mother country, Israel, be protected by all of your true indwelt believers. It is you who makes us known throughout all the nations who the real bride of Christ truly is. We make a commitment to you, O God, that our heart will not turn back to these old ways, the way we acted before we knew you. And I know, God, that our sins of trying to find our own identity in our own selves is fruitless. So I pray for the entire body of Christ to truly secure themselves only in our identity in Christ, you, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Hi, I'm Pastor Finney. I am honored to present to you the message today. My primary objective is to equip individuals through the believer's identity in Christ. And it's all based on the message of what we call the identification with Christ in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. My passion is to deliver this message to a worldwide audience by making use of the internet, live presentations, writings, podcasting, and through the effective use of media. We are honored to have you join us today. We are so pleased that you were able to join us in our online weekly service. Today's Resurrection Day. A lot of people call it Easter. Our church refuses to do that. This is Resurrection Day, 
This is a reminder of exactly what happened on the moment that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Everything changed for us believers when he, Jesus Christ, came back to life. Everything about us in our identity, everything about us in our security, everything about us in our position is all about that resurrection moment. Today we're going to focus on grace. We're going to talk about grace before, during, and after salvation. A lot of people, when they refer to grace, it's kind of like a blanket that covers everything. They think that grace is being applied to every human that's walking the face of the earth. In reality, this is not true. And we're going to talk about some of those details today. Actually, there's about three phases of grace. Today we're going to talk about the Old Testament, where grace is offered to those who keep the law. Old Testament salvation was based on obedience, and that's just the plain facts. Those who refuse or revolt during the times of the Old Testament are sent to Hades after they die. In the New Testament, grace is freely offered to those who come unto Jesus for salvation. For those who refuse a revolt, they're sent to hell. So we need to understand something. Hades is a title that is used before Resurrection Day, and hell is used in post-Resurrection Day. Although I must admit there are many theologians that believe that the term hell actually will not be an authentic description until the first day of judgment. And I'm okay with that. But what you need to understand is that Hades is very different from hell. Now the book of Revelation, this is a curious note to many people who uh, follow our series on the book of Revelation or hear teachings that I give on the uh, grace of God, is that there are actually three elements to the Word of God. There's the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is so incredibly different and it carries with it some requirements that if anyone adds to this book or deletes from this book, God literally takes them out of the book of life. So there is a different kind of grace that is being applied to the end times, and we'll need to talk about that. Therefore, in the book of Revelation, grace is extended to those who endure to the end, as the Bible passage says. The grace age stops after the tribulation begins. God goes back to the prophet system. Now, a lot of people who have done basic reading on the book of Revelation find a very curious note, and that is that God sends two prophets. Prophets are always based on the law. Even if you have the gift of prophecy, you will have the tendency to use the law either to wake people up or to present to them eternal damnation if they do not listen. But the prophet system is going to be reapplied after the rapture. We'll talk about that in a moment. So let's look at the Old Testament grace. I 
and want to share something with you out of Ezra 9.8. It says, But now for a brief moment, grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us an escape remnant and to give us a peg in his holy place that our God may enlighten our eyes and grant us a little reviving in our bondage. Ezra 9.8 Now let's talk about some of the details directly related to that passage. Now in the Old Testament, we have to remember what they did mattered. So the Old Testament grace is brief and momentary. Just as it says in the passage I just read, but now for a brief moment, grace has been shown from the Lord our God. Grace in the Old Testament was an actual act that God used to encourage and to elevate his people to take action while applying a little bit of pressure to keep the law. So it came and it went. So it was very momentary. Secondly, it was a type of grace for situational escape. And that comes out of that same passage where it says, To leave us an escaped remnant. It is God uses grace to get their attention to have them escape as a remnant. Now, remnant in the Old Testament, New Testament, and the book of Revelation, the remnant is thread. It is a garment that has survived and it could be worn down. It could be down to some final threads and that's why it's called a remnant. There's only a piece left, a small piece left. And then next, it is to offer a place in his holy temple. God wanted his people to come to the temple, the holy place. In the Old Testament, that was external, as in the tent, the holy temple tent. And then, of course, when the big fancy temples were built, like Solomon's, that became the holy place of God. And finally, it brought temporary relief for those who were obedient. Grace in the Old Testament is directly related to obedience. We're going to talk about how different that is for the New Testament. That comes out of our passage where it says that our God may enlighten our eyes and grant us a little reviving in our bondage. So therefore, while we are in bondage... This grace that God gives in momentary or situational ethics, as I call it, is used to help someone feel a little bit better while they're in bondage. New Testament, obviously, is going to be much different. Let's take a look at the New Testament grace before the cross. Out of John 1, 17, it says, For the law, capital L, means God's law, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. The key thing that we have to remember here out of this passage is grace and truth already existed. But see, it provided a new pathway for it to be realized through Jesus Christ. The New Testament grace was not available until after Jesus' ascension, which is what we refer to as the day of Pentecost. Very key piece. When Jesus was growing up, then entered into ministry, all he was doing is simply setting the stage. 
So the first act of grace in the New Testament was at Pentecost. That's out of Acts 4.33. You say, well, what, what about all those times during Jesus' ministry when he talked about grace and demonstrated grace? Well, that's exactly the point of his ministry of three and a half years. Another curious note that we have to look at here is why was Jesus' ministry marked at three and a half years? Well, the first half of the tribulation is three and a half years. The second half is three and a half years, which makes it seven-year reign of the Antichrist. That three and a half years that Jesus was in ministry was literally setting the stage for born-again, indwelt Christians to live out the grace life. Now, the second three and a half years, you would have to listen to our Revelation series to see how he is going to be in those three and a half years. Secondly, authentic grace builds and offers inheritance. In Acts 20, verse 32... It tells us this. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Grace was given to us, not only through Christ, but grace is the secondary name for the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus says, I am grace, When he says that through the grace of God, or any reference to grace, yes, it is one of Jesus' names, that is true. But you see, the Holy Spirit represents grace in its truest sense. Jesus put grace inside true born-again believers after they became saved, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, grace then becomes alive and active, and it's a person. So having the Holy Spirit live in us is grace living in and through us every single day. Authentic grace is for the purpose of obedience. As it was in the Old Testament, the pressure was put upon the people to be obedient to the law in the Old Testament by God's acts of grace. In the New Testament, Jesus was setting the stage For grace is for having another resource to be obedient. Meaning, Christ in us is the obedient one. When we release Christ in us, we therefore become obedient. And that's out of Romans 1, verse 5. And it says, Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his namesake, whom we have received grace. Receiving is literally being possessed by grace, the Holy Spirit, the life of Christ. Authentic grace is a gift of redemption. Now let's take a look at Romans chapter 3, verse 24. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. You see, those pieces are so incredibly important. Everything is by and through Jesus Christ. It was critical that Jesus set the stage for his bridal members to receive grace 
to be possessed by grace, which the Holy Spirit is the life of Christ, so therefore we become an extension of his grace. And finally, authentic grace is only for the redeemed. Let's look at Romans 5:17. For if by the transgression of one, death reigned through one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in the life through the one, Jesus Christ. You see, having the life of Christ within us makes us active in the redemption process of why he's in us. And finally, authentic grace is much different than any kind of grace that humanity tries to make up on their own. Authentic grace is authentic life, and it's the authentic life of Jesus Christ that lives within us that makes us authentic. Something it would be wise for us to keep in mind. The purpose for the law is given to us in Romans 5, 20 and 21. It says the law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abound all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through the righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A lot of people get confused by this little passage, but there's no confusion in it. God gave us the law to set us up. So in the New Testament, as I said, Jesus is setting us up, setting the stage for grace living. In the Old Testament, God used the law to set them up to fail, to get them prepared for someone who was coming, their Messiah, who would be obedient through them after they received grace through the Holy Spirit. What is being shown to us here is that the purpose of the law was to set up for grace. And it doesn't get any cleaner and clearer than that. Now let's talk about how grace was enacted. Point number one, God demonstrated temporary acts of grace in the Old Testament through obedience to the law. Now secondly, God came to the earth in the form of humanity to demonstrate what grace looks like to the Father. And then during Jesus' ministry, again, three and a half years, he set the stage for enacted authentic grace after his ascension. So all of the time he was walking the earth, there wasn't a single human being that could be possessed by the Holy Spirit until after the ascension. In fact, until the day of Pentecost. The power of grace was released through Jesus' moment of his resurrection. At Pentecost, it was passed on to the disciples and others through the mandate of indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Grace's secondary name for the Holy Spirit. And then finally, every born-again believer from Pentecost forward received the power of grace upon salvation. You don't have to ask for a second blessing. And many of the second blessing churches that preach and propagate that do not understand how Pentecost worked or how the life of grace was enacted. Simple fact is, is that the day, night, 
of Pentecost and all of these miracles that the Bible talks about are normal for Christianity today. Very important to remember. The book of Revelation and its grace, if we read Revelation 11.10, it says, And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and celebrate, and they will send gifts to one another, because these two prophets tormented those who dwelt on the earth. This is one of the leading doctrines I believe the enemy has used to erase how it's going to work after the rapture. So I want to show you a very key truth about the end times timeline. The rapture removes grace from the earth. Why? Because grace is living in the believers. So really, this is the point of rapture. Grace lives in the believers. When the believers are taken up, it leaves the world to a law-bound society ruled by the Antichrist. That's the whole point. So it starts on the first breath of the Antichrist's seven-year reign. He will use his law to rule the people during that seven years. The first three and a half are going to be peace, peace, peace. In other words, fake grace. The second half is going to be hell on earth. It'll be by his laws, by his rules. At the end of this seven-year tribulation, the 144,000 Jews that are converted and saved are a result of the two prophets. God doesn't send two apostles. God doesn't send two of his original disciples. God does not send anyone but two prophets. It's because of the 144,000 is 10,000 Jews from each of the 12 tribes. They are bloodline Jews. They will be used to bring conclusive evidence that God's law still exists. The two prophets that are going throughout the world are basically ushering this 144,000 authentic bloodline Jews into one gathering before they're taken as well. Then the 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ takes place, or which is called the Day of Judgment, because 1,000 years for man is one day for God. And it is through God's law that he will do all the judging. It's not through grace. You can't judge through grace. It is through the law that God will do a 1,000 years of judgment. This is a critical doctrine to keep in place in understanding grace from the old to the new to the book of Revelation. I hope you caught that. The day is coming and probably coming real soon. When the bride of Christ is raptured from the earth, God takes the system back to prophets and the laws. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is gone, temporarily. We want to thank you for joining us today. We could have gone on for a very long time talking about all the details surrounding grace. But for today, thank you. And we look forward to the next time that you join us in our online church services. Until next time.